0: Sutra 7 The consciousness of self mastery in one who is free of craving from desires and objects seen or heard about is non attachment. There were many souls who emerged to find the oasis, and all sorts of beings had been led to these train tracks. Had it been days, weeks, months, or years that we waited, all the while, Not a soul turned back. I recognized some, but there were others still unknown. And so I thought of us like unique animals
1: of an ancient planet, and all of us were called to roam. When many souls come together, the various attributes tend to stand out. It is easy to spot our differences, but who remembers what the true nature of our soul is all about?" said Forgiveness.
0: As I gazed upon these wild souls. It was obvious we were not of the same pack. Yet by some auspicious coincidence, we were all brought to this specific set of train tracks. As the group became closer, each individual personality started to emerge. There was a sense of magic through everyone's uniqueness, and soon I realized that each of us set off to achieve the impossible as we attempted to conquer the absurd. One soul had the head of a cobra, and another the head of an elephant with six arms, then a different soul like a lone wolf, and there was even a bullish figure with giant horns. There was a woman who walked a unique way with 108 manifestations of joy. There was another soul who tended to mushrooms and herbs. There was a healer soul who used Reiki and there was another soul, who took the form of a silent owl, that merely observed. Into the oasis we went, to lose our minds and find our soul. Each of our journeys depicted an aspect of non-attachment, we were learning to surrender control. Other souls stayed safe and comfortable, and that is what kept them far away from this place. But for those who took the chance to find their true potential, then we were on the path to self-mastery. Only those willing to depart upon a great journey can discover how the true transformation occurs. These souls had the courage to face their lower nature and that is what made us an absurd herd. Now the wind began to surge as a mystical voice from far beyond was heard. We were the wild ones who found the secret train tracks all because we set off to face what the world calls absurd. And have you heard about that wonderful tribe that attempted the absurd? They went off into the woods in search of their true nature when nothing was assured. Life had beaten all of us. We died in different ways and left our old skins behind. We were protectors of the sacred soul in search of something worthy to find. Gray and away, mysterious clouds began to form. Like a giant figure creeping over the horizon, a force beyond death began to transform. There I saw a bird. I think it was a crane up in the sky. Hey you! I yelled. You up there! Are you really alive? Listening to the wind, had the bird brought forth the mysterious sky. This bird was very intent when it called back to reply. Our job is not to grasp for more. Our job is to let go of everything that keeps us feeling less. Ask what is the pursuit of self-mastery. Then you will know how we can bring forth our best. Was this all a test? And now the crane carried on by. I tucked the wisdom in my memory so that the message wouldn't die. Then Girl came forward as she too had heard the bird's words. It inspired us and so I asked what message she had heard. The bird said, to stop sending our energy to old situations. It's time to set ourselves free. We must go forward and find our true voice. That's what the bird told me, she said. I rubbed my chin and nodded. She had heard a message as well. It was different than the message I received, and so I turned to the African gazelle. And what did you hear? The way to discover our true potential lies in where we focus our attention. And if it costs us our peace, then it's too expensive," said the African gazelle. I looked to the black cat, who seemed to be a creature of the
1: mist. To forgive is to give your energy forward from the past and reclaim it in the present, said forgiveness. It seemed all the
0: creatures that found the train tracks had heard the crane. In one way or the other, they'd heard some wisdom, and so I was determined that the insight of this new knowledge only comes to those who are willing to listen. We had discovered wisdom together to answer the wild call. Now what was the wild call? This became a discussion among the wild ones, as if each thought was a thread woven into a fine tapestry. The wild call was an outline to discover our highest potential through self-mastery. Gathered together in the oasis, we were safe among the trees. The wind was interwoven around this wisdom, and so it whispered, A true calling can set the soul free. The wind guided our thoughts as I listened, for this was our spirit's holy breath. It was obvious for those who gathered and died to our lower nature, and it was even more obvious that we were all ready for whatever was next. So many times we had suffered rejection. We had all been battered and bruised. The old ways of life had pummeled us into the ground where it left us feeling broken, betrayed and used. Did you see that bird? Asked a soul's voice. It was him, but different than I remembered. In my heart, I feel that something good is going to come from this. God's ways are not our ways. Ultimately god is going to use my death to spur something i'm offering up my suffering for other people who are sick and suffering i just know there's something good coming from my death because god's plans are for good not for ill and so i bowed to the man brave enough to face death it became obvious that the path ahead would not be easy but we knew it was the simplest go forward and don't stop Do not give in and do not quit. We were on the path of self-mastery because we were brave enough to commit. The train was getting closer, but in the wind I heard it speak of a distant mystical land. The wind called it Shambhala, or what the Christians called heaven, which was a spiritual kingdom.
1: But in order to find this place, you must take the train back to earth and bring forth a spiritual reshaping Aboard this train, you will practice and study the path of Shambala Shambhala warrior ship, so this is known as Shambhala warrior training,"
0: whispered the wind. The train tracks were still empty, but the sky held much optimism and light. I believed a train was coming, I could hear it, but I knew its arrival time would be precise and just right. What's Shambhala warrior training? I whispered to the
1: cats, and so forgiveness said. This path is the tradition of bravery, not being afraid of who you are, and it's open to any being who seeks genuine and fearless existence. The practice of meditation is the foundation for the realization and understanding of all the principles to come. Shambhala training presents a series of methods that involve retreats into sitting practice, walking practice of meditation as well as the practice of Shambhala vision. First, level 1 is the art of being human, or experiencing the world as sacred, and seeing basic goodness as your birthright. Level 2 is the birth of the warrior, recognizing your habitual patterns and discovering fearlessness. Level 3 is the warrior in the world, where you develop confidence in all aspects of your daily life. Level 4 is the awakened heart, or allowing your heart and intuition to open so you can communicate fully with the world. Level 5 is the open sky, trusting who we are and genuinely caring for others and the world. When you live your life in accordance, then you develop natural elegance. Your life can be spacious and relaxed, without having to be sloppy. You can actually let go of your depression. And embarrassment about being a human being, and you can cheer up. In order to let go, you have to train yourself in the control of renunciation and discipline. Our challenge is also one of the most important principles of letting go, which is living in the challenge. For the warrior, every moment is a challenge to be genuine, and each challenge is delightful. When you let go properly, you can relax and enjoy the challenge. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you can appreciate what you see, without worrying about whether what you see is what you should be. You can pick yourself up on the possibilities of basic goodness, and cheer yourself up, if you relax with yourself. Dignity comes from using your inherent human resources, by doing things with your own bare hands on the spot, properly and beautifully. You can do that even in the worst of situations. You can still make your life elegant. A further stage of letting go is telling the truth. In the Shambhalic Kingdom, honesty is the policy. It does not mean that you have to bear your innermost secrets and expose everything that you are ashamed of. You have nothing to be ashamed of. That is the basis for telling the truth. What you are is genuine and basic goodness which is the center of the spiritual soul. All souls are good. When all babies are born, they are basic goodness. They are pure in spirit. If you can remember that, then you can let go of hesitation and self-consciousness and tell the truth without exaggeration or condemnation. Avoiding the truth defeats the purpose of speech as communication. Letting go is relaxation based on being in tune with the environment and the world. Telling the truth is also about gentleness. A being in the kingdom of Shambhala speaks gently. He or she doesn't bark. Gentle speech expresses your dignity, as does having a good head and shoulders. If you are telling the truth, then you can speak gently and your words will have power. The final stage of letting go is being without deception your self-deception your own hesitation and self-doubt which may confuse other people or deceive them being without deception is an extension of telling the truth it is based on being honest with your higher self when you have a sense of trusting in your own existence then what you communicate to other people is genuine and trustworthy said forgiveness when the black cat spoke i thought of a candle
0: like a wax pillar holding up the center of light. I felt the warmth in my teacher as my mind perked up and was illuminated bright. There in the distance, a train was coming our way. I recognized it so fast because this train was full of wonder and it was not far away. And so forgiveness continued.
1: Yoga is the restraint of the modifications of the mind and it is our mind that can be molded By being very intentional and honest with our thoughts, there's not a single barrier to what we can find. There's a whole universe to explore just by getting on this train. The connection to all the truth is through the connection of our heart and our brains. Normally the mind gets attached by seeing or hearing something. It is mainly through the eyes and ears that the mind goes out and gathers things to satisfy its desires. Before the mind is attracted to something it sees or hears, we begin to have discrimination to see whether that object was good for us or not. The mind should not just go grasp as it wants. There must be someone who is in control. And then who is in control? Said forgiveness. If I am not the mind, then who am I? Think of our true nature, that seer of the soul who persists. You are not the voice within your mind, but rather you are the one who hears it. Then we are all spiritual beings, and we come
0: together like creatures of a distant land, gone beyond the material world, but not quite gone beyond the human man. We are all somewhere in between, something like a dream. But what are we really, and what does it all
1: mean? We are individual avatars, or expressions of the divine, Layered in covers, we are the truth we are seeking to find. We are born to live our purpose, and we also need to learn how to let go and become who we are. We are no different than lanterns in the universe. We are illuminated burning stars. The aimless wander in space, but we have learned to illuminate our souls to burn bright. We do this so anyone wandering in the space of aimlessness can find their north star that way we can help others get home through the darkest night an avatar is an incarnation it's the embodiment of spirit into the physical body of a person our soul often gets attached to the human body but the spirit remembers our past lives so we can be guided by old lessons avatar means descent and i believe this train track means we're heading back only the brave ones are called to go back To alleviate the suffering of all beings, we can change the world, and that's why we've gathered. All of these souls were avatars, wearing
0: fascinating ornaments, jewels, and bands over their disguises. Some were that of animals, others wore many faces at once with multiple arms, but all of us had the glowing sun shining out through our irises. Like a spiritual barcode, these unique aspects were ways to differentiate us from the all. We were avatars of creation. We were the wild ones who were called. But here's the strange thing. The deeper I looked, the more I began to see us like auras of the same mystical color. When I really focused close on anyone's soul, it was clear light. Yet it had an appearance creating a luminous cover. This cover appeared unique. It was the avatar of who we were. Again, it did not matter what I called it, because the soul in totality was all there. Again the crane flew over, and this time it didn't need to speak, for I heard what it said, as the thought came into my mind on repeat. Our job is not to grasp for more. Our job is to let go of everything that keeps us feeling less. What is the pursuit of self-mastery? How can we bring forth our best? And what does it mean not to grasp,
1: when we truly let go? And so forgiveness spoke. Non-attachment literally means colorless. Every desire brings its own color to the mind. The moment you color the mind, a ripple is formed, just as when a stone is thrown into a calm lake, it creates waves in the water. When the mind is tossed by these desires, one after the other, there won't be peace or rest in the mind and with a restless mind, you can't have steady practice. When you want to do something constantly, your mind should not be distracted by other desires. That's why this sort of dispassion or non-attachment must always go with the practice. Any practice without this non-attachment can never be fulfilled. Many times people say, Oh, I have been practicing meditation and yoga for so many years. I pray daily, morning and evening." Yes, they do that. We have to accept it because we see them sitting in meditation every day or going to the church or temple. Sometimes they sit in the front of the altar for hours and hours. But what is the state they are actually in? Are their minds dissipated because of the different desires? How many people stand in front of the altar and think of their business or allow their eyes to wander about to see how many friends are there? If temples and churches become social centers, then they have lost their original purpose, because the mind of the people are more attracted to worldly things than to prayer. The lips may repeat the prayer mechanically, like a phonograph record, but the mind wanders to other places. That's why you can't collect and compose the mind unless it is free from distracting desires. Meditation is possible only when the mind is free from attachment. In fact, You need not even practice meditation if your mind is completely free from all selfish desires. You will see that you are always at ease. You will never become restless and you will never be disappointed. So we need the practice and the non-attachment, and of these two, the non-attachment is the more important. Immediately somebody will ask, if you are unattached, won't you lose all incentive and become dull? No. When we say unattached, it means without personal desires. If you really want to be greedy, be greedy in serving others. Try to remove the suffering of other people. Once you are unattached in your personal life, you can serve others, and by doing that, you will find more and more joy. That's why sometimes I say that the most selfless person is the most selfish one. Why? Because a selfless person doesn't want to lose his or her peace and happiness. Even with God, do not have any personal desire or attachment. Many people approach God and say, God give me this, give me that, help me win this campaign, or they may say, if you help me pass this examination, I will light ten candles. We try to do business with God, but it only shows our own ignorance. Those very candles were given to us by God. So what is the idea of giving them back to God as if we have created something? Our desirous mind deludes us and we become ignorant. The discrimination of a desirous person gets completely faded. His or her interest is to achieve things, that's all. The desirous person doesn't bother to wait and think. The scriptures say, even the desire for liberation or heaven is bondage. These desires bind you and bring restlessness. To get to heaven, you have to be completely desireless. So, is it possible to be desireless? No, actually, it is not possible. As long as the mind is there, its duty is to desire. This may seem to be contradictory, but the secret is that any desire without any personal or selfish motive will never bind you. Why? Because the pure, Selfless desire has no expectation whatsoever, so it knows no disappointment no matter the result. But though it expects nothing, it has its own reward. When you make someone happy, you see his or her happy face and you feel happy yourself. If you have really experienced the joy of just giving something for the sake of giving, you will wait greedily for opportunities to get that joy again and again. Many people think that by renouncing everything, by becoming selfless and desireless, there is no enjoyment. But that is not so. Instead, you become the happiest man or woman. The more you serve, the more happiness you enjoy. Such a person knows the secret of life. There is a joy in losing everything, in giving everything up. You cannot be eternally happy by possessing things. The more you possess, the more sad you will become. Have we seen millionaires? People of the highest position, prime ministers, presidents. Are they happy? No. The higher the position, the greater the trouble. Only a saint, a renunciate, is always happy because there is nothing for a saint to lose. Because you don't have anything. All you have is your higher self always. That is the secret. That's why we say, have non-attachment and dispassion. By renouncing worldly things, you possess the most sacred property, your peace," said Forgiveness.
2: And there is another aspect or benefit of non-attachment. It is mainly a person with a detached mind who can do a job perfectly. As an example, the other day I received a letter from a disciple who runs one of my spiritual centers. Another yoga teacher visited this center and asked, Don't your students ask for something more? In my classes, if I don't teach something new every class, they say, What is this? We paid you and got this yesterday. You are teaching us the same thing today. Why should we pay again? Unless you give us something new, we won't pay you again. So the visiting teacher said he carefully arranges the lessons in such a way, that every day I can add something new, so that way he can ask for more money. But here, it's the same old stuff every day, and people are coming more and more, and nobody seems disappointed. Then I told him, we don't sell yoga, we just teach for our joy. The people contribute as they want. There's no business here, but rather the heart is working. Probably in the case of the other teacher, he expects money. And so that teacher is interested in teaching something new every time, to get more people and more money,"
1: said Mr. Kismet. It is a fact. The same thing is happening in our other yoga classes also. For years now, people have been coming to the classes, and each class has been more or less the same. And every time they come, they contribute something without ever getting tired of it. They could practice the same thing at home, but still they come to classes because they don't feel the vibration of business there, but rather they feel the vibration of yoga. That is what they don't want to miss. Even in the whisper within the wind, I may not quote scripture or try to give something new, but rather I may say the same ideas again and again. People might say, the spirit says nothing new, it's the same old spirit, the same old stuff. But I feel happy to teach, and they seem to be happy being here and so they make me happy, and I make them happy. We just spend a little happy time together. That's all. We just talk about something, or do something in the nature of yoga. Yes, that is the secret. There is joy in being together. That's all. So that is the life of detachment. There is no expectation. We just come together. They don't feel they are losing their money, and I don't feel that I'm gaining their money. We are all as one family. We pool our money, our energy, and our ideas. What else do we want in this life? And that is yoga. So when the mind is free from personal interest, we do our work well and feel joyfully. Our lives become meaningful. If our minds are free from selfishness and there's a sacrifice in everyone's lives, the world becomes a heaven, an abode of peace and bliss. Everything in this life gives. Sacrifice is the law of life. That is why we admire and adore people who have given their lives for the sake of humanity. Why do we worship Jesus and the cross? Because sacrifice is the meaning of that cross. He sacrificed himself, and we worship that quality. It is not the piece of wood we appreciate, but the sacrifice it represents. Jesus gave his life for the sake of humanity. It is because of that sacrifice that all the prophets, sages, and saints are worshipped as divine beings or one with God. It is not only our saints, but everything in nature, trees, birds, animals. They all live for the sake of others. Why does a candle burn and melt away? To give light. Why does an incense stick burn to ash? To give fragrance. Why does a tree grow? To give fruits and flowers. Is there anything? sentient or insentient in this world that lives for its own sake no when all of nature sacrifices then why should we human beings alone lead selfish lives we are here to give and give and give what is due to us will come without our worrying about it of course even here we can wonder if i am to lead a sacrificial life how can i eat how can i clothe myself or how can I have a house of my own? You can have all these things to equip yourself to serve others. You must have a bed to rest in to feel refreshed in the morning in order to go out and serve others. You must eat to have enough energy to serve others. So you do everything with the idea that you are preparing yourself to serve others. Even the practice of meditation is not done just for your own peace, but is done because with a peaceful mind you can go out into the world and serve well. With that very idea, you can meditate. So, even your yogic meditation becomes a selfless action. That is what is meant by, even with God, do not have attachment. This non-attachment alone is enough to change your entire life into a joyful one, said forgiveness. With that teaching, came forth a magnificent train. It approached
0: slowly, but did not stop, and this occurrence was beyond what I could explain. Just as we were all learning to let go, the train arrived right here, and all of those who had gathered in the wonderful oasis could not quite explain it, since these train tracks looked as if they had not been used in years. Hop on, said Girl without looking back. The train arrived and it never stopped, and that's when I saw two butterflies dance through the air. They chased each other, circling round and round without a single care. But those two butterflies flew right over the tracks, and just as the train came cruising in, it hit one of the butterflies. All those courageous souls who were called here began hopping on the train, but I couldn't move, because I saw the other butterfly continue away while the other was left stranded in pain. The butterfly with the broken wing fluttered on the ground, and its lover was no longer around. All the while the train was so mysterious as it didn't stop while those wheels spun round and round. Souls were hitching a ride on the train. They jumped aboard as if this was such a dangerous game, but this poor butterfly could no longer fly, so my heart began to burst with tremendous pain. Come on," said the Yogini as she hopped aboard. After I walked closer to the train, right as I was ready to hop on, I had to go back to the butterfly where it climbed on my finger. But for how much longer would
1: its life go on? I wanted to save it, but what could I do? If you want to board the train, you must not be attached, and so you are called to let go," said Forgiveness as he and Mr. Kismet jumped aboard.
0: I carried the wounded butterfly to a tree, and it was obvious the butterfly was hurt. I realized that the wing on the left was completely broken and its full range of motion no longer worked. I said goodbye to the butterfly, and then I ran to hitch a ride where I caught the very back of the train. I managed to get on the caboose, and then came the onset of fresh rain. I looked back to the butterfly, I even had to be unattached to suffering, but I felt like I had left the butterfly in defiance. Then Mr. Kismet whispered,
2: The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph.